What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Exceeding While Black. Y'all, I'm actually really, really excited, not only about this episode, but just about today in general. Um, My episode with Residual Impact Podcast dropped today. Woo! (laughs) I'm really excited and I'm happy that they allowed me to be on their platform just to share a little bit more about who I am. I mean, the OGs of Exceeding Wild Black already kind of have a little have a little taste of who I am, where I come from, and my story. Um, and I just want to share that a little bit more. I know on my platform, I do more interviews and just to get another pe- another person's perspective on different topics that I may discuss. But delighted that I was able to share my story and to kind of just give y'all other people um, an insight on my mindset and how I think, how I operate, things of that nature. So um, if you don't follow Residual Impact Podcast, follow them, subscribe to their show. It's on YouTube and it's on wherever you get your podcasts from, you know, Um, and I'm excited, y'all. Now, don't judge me for how I look, A, and B, just the fact that I look so stiff guys like I was so stiff because I was so nervous like I was like oh am I moving wrong (laughs) am I moving wrong am I doing something else wrong so child it was just it's a lot of things that I know that I need to work on now you know being comfortable being in front of the camera being in front of people in general um I'm very much to myself so anyway, I hope that you enjoy that episode and I'm going to steer y'all over there for a little bit. You know, they have some dope information, dope topics, um, and I appreciate them both so very much for allowing me to be a part of their platform. Now, today's episode, I know we were, we concluded therapy in the black community with Dr. Curtis and his thoughts and his opinions and his story based on why therapy is needed um, and the different positive aspects that therapy can provide. But I was speaking with one of my friends and he did not think that therapy was impactful. He didn't think that therapy was needed. And he was another black man and I loved it. Like I loved his opinion. I loved the way he, he thought, he thought about his answer. He thought about what he was saying. You know how some people speak without thinking. Um, He was actually one that made me think, rethink, you know, and I still believe wholeheartedly that therapy is needed, but I also understand where he was coming from. And hopefully you will too. You know, this isn't a bashing of therapy. This isn't a bashing of men or women or whomever else goes to therapy. Um, It is just to give you a different insight on why therapy may not be important for you. Um, And I'm excited. I'm excited to dig deep and to get his insight a little bit on it. So we welcome Jared. What's up, Jared? So first off, I want to say thank you for wanting to be a part of therapy in the Black community. And I'm not going to lie, I was reading over some of your um, pre-interview questions, and it just took me for a loop. 
because I know we haven't known each other that long, and obviously I shouldn't know everything about you <laughs> in a sense. But I did not know that both your dad and brother passed away. How long ago was that? So that was like uh, 2022. That was about 20 years ago and then 16 years ago, respectively. Dang. And so during that time, that's when your mom decided to basically enforce therapy on you in a sense. Yeah, I wouldn't say force. It's one of those things where parents like – parents likely – think that if they're going through therapy and kids are going through a traumatic event, that therapy is what's probably going to be best. And they're not entirely wrong in most cases, but obviously that's opens up more of a discussion on how your actual therapist responds to you, how adult therapists respond to children, and so on and so forth. So I said that you felt like you were too young to be depressed um, at that age. How What, what age were you when um, you lost um, your dad and your brother? So I was seven years old when I lost my dad, and Mm -hmm. I was 11 or 12 when we lost my brother. Okay. And what emotions were you feeling, you know, since you say that you don't feel like depression was one of them at that age? So, I mean, obviously immense sadness. And I guess it was before my years, my my formative years, where – you actually consider the events and you you consider yourself and how you're responding to those events. You're kind of just dealing with things on a day-to-day basis. And that's more what I felt, which is I was clearly something bad had happened, but I was just kind of responding on a day-to-day basis to it. Got you, got you, got you. And um, do you think that later down the line, like, you know, in your later years, teenager years, um, adult years, that, you did kind of feel some sort of void in a sense or um, just there a lack of to where you knew that you needed to have therapy? Because I know you said that you went to therapy, um, you know, due to career um, anxiety and um, something else that you said as well. Yeah, it was, it was mainly it was mainly career anxiety. Cause, uh, but before we get into that, I'll answer your first question, which is, um, I ended up going to therapy later, but mm-hmm. not in relation to, like, my brother or my dad passing. It, but I will say, as far as a void, yes, so being, like, a young, like, black guy who's growing up, there are a lot of not necessarily questions you need answered, but there's a lot of, like, feelings that you don't really have, like, that male role model or male figure in your life to go to. And I had grandfathers and I had older brothers, but... There's a different level of, uh, I guess, brevity or the different level of levity that, like, your father has to you over, you know, like a, your grandfather or your brother or just a random mentor. Mm-hmm. And did you have, like, a – your therapist then or your therapist um, – well, you don't have a therapist now, but back then when you were dealing with your career anxiety, um, did you have – um, a male therapist, or did it matter what type of therapist that you had? For me personally, it didn't matter. It was a male therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I do understand that there is a section of our community that, specifically black women, that they definitely probably have a better ear or a better, uh, I guess, rapport with a black therapist or a black female therapist. Um, as far as men, I can only really speak for myself, and I'll say it didn't really matter to me because um, mm-hmm. – 
my view on therapy, if you are going to use it, is that you're going there to get a professional opinion, and that professional opinion and that professional observation can come from many different walks of life. So while there is a certain level of, of course, you want someone to understand the background from which you're speaking from, at the same time, it's depending on who you are and depending on if it helps you or not, it's also nice to have outside perspectives. Yes, for sure, for sure. And during those times of you, you know, being in therapy and uh, recognizing maybe some of your traits that you have within yourself, what were some of the benefits that therapy had for you? So for me, it was mainly my main motivation of going was career anxiety. Mm -hmm. Uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I demand a lot for myself. And I often think about what the right choice is before I make it. I think about exploring all options before I move forward. So I don't necessarily get career uh, paralysis where I'm I'm indecisive or I can't, like, act. But I do put a lot of thought and I put a lot of weight behind the decisions I make because they not only affect me, they affect my family. So as far as, sorry, as far as those type of issues and how they were worked out, my general response to them was it was just a benefit of being able to talk to someone and actually have them, I guess, just give me a different perspective of how to look at how important your career is why it's so important to you, and then also other ways that you can go about dealing with the stress that comes with it. Right. And with the career anxiety, do do you know what triggered that, or do you think it's just the overall men are the providers um, type of scenario that made you or makes you have that type of anxiety when it comes to um, you being the best that you can, that you can be with your career and in your job or in your field? So I would say that there's definitely a lot of men um, and also specifically black men that Mm -hmm. deal with the provider role in different ways. And most of those ways are going to be unhealthy. It's just Mm -hmm. the nature of the beast because I won't go into the long diatribe of like therapy in the black community in particular, but I don't necessarily think there's as much of a stigma as there has been before, but I also think that there is a, because due to the stigma of being so prevalent when we were growing up, I think a lot of men don't understand that that is an outlet. Like that's a viable outlet to use to help you get through um, any type of career anxiety you have, any type of actual depression, any type of like deep seated issues you have. A lot of men are just kind of, uh, I'll say conditioned mm-hmm. to deal with your problems on your own time. So don't like burden someone else with your problems. Deal with your problems on your own time, however you may deal with them, and so that you can be productive. It's kind of like one of those things where just get back to work. No matter what's going on with you, get back to work. No one cares. That's kind of the attitude that we grew up with. And even though now that the culture has changed, it's still – you have to realize these men have already grown up with this idea in their mind. So they see therapy now and they know that it's a viable outlet, but they might not be able to recognize the issues that they're dealing with are issues that that's what most people will go to therapy for. Right. And why do you think that, you know, back in the day we had this type of stigma where um, we, I guess we didn't necessarily need therapy or we didn't think that we needed therapy in our community. Where do you think that that rose from? I think it just came from a lack of 
wealth in the black community and when mm-hmm. uh, how I correlate that to like a lack of understanding or lack of usage of therapy as an outlet or just as a form of medical treatment is the fact that for uh, a large swath of our like community, if you didn't have that money to go to a therapist growing up, it's like you wouldn't know the benefits of it or you would see it as something that only people of a certain ilk would use. So mm-hmm. people who are older, people who are actually depressed, that type of thing. So I know in my household, it wasn't that therapy was looked at as like a stigma or having mental health issues was looked at as a stigma. It was more of there was a lack of understanding of, oh, this person is depressed, but we don't know what depressed looks like, so we're just going to call this person sad or this right. person is just dealing with this. And and so that lack of understanding kind of led to a lack of therapy like, I guess, popularity or prevalence of therapy in the black community mm-hmm. simply because people didn't understand what it was for. And also access to it wasn't as easy to get as it is now. Like now, you have apps, you have the Internet, you have hotlines that you can call. I don't remember any of these things existing in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s for the most part. Me neither. <laughs> and me neither. But um, when you when you speak on, you know, um, emotions and understanding the difference between someone being depressed and someone being, you know, sad, do you think that therapy can help you to kind of distinguish which emotion you're actually feeling? Um, has it helped you in that sense, even? Uh, so to answer the first part, I think that it can help mm-hmm. you understand your, like, your emotions better. But I think that this is a personal view. I think therapy actually helps you understand how you need to respond to your own issues. I think that a lot of times we think that because we've always been around ourselves, like no one knows you better than you because you've always been there, right? So it's one of those things where it's hard to think that you are having the wrong responses to your emotions or that you don't understand your emotions. And so when you go to therapy, I think it's a good window to for someone else to view you from the outside who's been professionally trained, and they can tell you, hey, what you're experiencing is this. It may feel like something else, but this is what you're feeling. And even if they're wrong, it gets you something else to think about. So small anecdote, when I was in college, I went through a period where I was just, like, stressed for, like, four months, four or five months. Mm-hmm. I, had like a, I had, like, a stress rash. Uh, where I, like, couldn't stop scratching my arm. It was like I was still functioning on a day-to-day basis. I was still going to school, going to work, having social interactions, all that stuff. But I could, if you had asked me at that time what was going on, I would have been like, oh, no, I'm just having a hard day. I, <laughs> that's how I would have responded to it. But looking back on it, you know, having more of a knowledge of self as I've gotten older, now I understand, oh, I was just very, very stressed out and I had no way of dealing with it or coping with it. So that's what led to the stress rash. That's what led to, like, the really, really, like, hard days where things seemed normal, but I was having a hard day anyway. So I think therapy is a really good tool to be able to understand yourself better. Like, the knowledge of self and the growth of self is not something that, like, you don't reach a certain age and you just understand everything about yourself. It's continuous. It's ongoing, goes on forever, and therapy is one of those things that can help people understand that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know in in this state that I am, like I haven't I haven't experienced therapy myself. You know, I kind of think of me as being my own therapist in a sense sometimes. But um, one thing that I will say is the more that 
um, growing, you know, and in age and mindset, physicalities, whatever. Like, I'm starting to realize who I am a lot more. And it's also in different situations that you're in, too, because most of the time, like, you have to be in that situation to even understand how you would react. Exactly. You can't, so, you can't forecast. Like, sometimes we always love to play the if game and try to forecast how we would feel or I would do this if I was in that situation. You don't really know how you're going to respond to something until you're actually having to respond to it. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely a big one. But I do think that um, also, like, within therapy, that it can kind of help you decipher which emotion is what. You know, because sometimes if, let's say, you think that you're angry at this person, you know, for whatever they did, but it could be a deeper meaning, you know, you because you were triggered by something that they did that was a resemblance of what your dad did or what your mom did or what your sister did or whatever you went through, like, as a child, you know. So I think therapy can also help you understand where that emotion actually came from you know, in a sense, too, because most of the time we don't really know why we're triggered. You know, everybody, like, that's, like, the common word. Oh, you triggered me, you know what I'm saying? But, like, no one really knows, like, how or why or the fact that you could actually take away your triggers, you know? Well, I would, I agree with that. I would also add, if you don't mind, my apologies for cutting you off. No, I would not. also add that, like, <clears throat> I think that some people do have a very good, sense or good knowledge of self. I feel like I'm one of those people that have a very good understanding of when I'm responding to certain situations, I know exactly what I'm feeling. However, I know exactly what I'm feeling. I know exactly how, like, what's making me a certain way. I know exactly what's going on. I know what emotions I'm displaying. I get all of that. However, I will say, even with, like, this advanced sense uh, of self that I have or I feel like I have, there are definitely still times where it's just I'm going through something or I'm experiencing something and I'm not sure exactly how to maneuver my way out of it or deal with it. So there are going to be certain times where I'll be experiencing an emotion or I'll be experiencing a series of emotions, and it can, it can cause me to stop being productive. It can cause me to be distracted. Mm-hmm. Therapy can kind of help, and you see this in, like, corporations where they have performance therapy where – they're able to help people hone in on certain emotions to make themselves more productive. Your emotions can be manipulated to a certain extent. I'm not saying this is uh, always available to everyone, but there are certain people that are able to hone certain emotions that typically would have a negative outcome and turn into a positive outcome. My, like, uh, I guess my swan song for this, for this type of behavior is someone like Michael Jordan or someone like Kobe Bryant where it's like they're negative emotions which is doubt, fear, uh, defeat, they turn that into hardcore work ethic, hardcore motivation to where they push themselves to levels that they probably wouldn't have done so before. And that's kind of how I've tried to wield some of the anxiety that I have, which is I I, I don't know if you've seen some of the posts I put up on social media sometimes, but I – obviously don't want to struggle. I obviously don't want to have issues, but when obstacles and challenges arise, I'm act, I actually get excited. I actually get like, oh, I'm about to get stressed out. I get excited. I embrace it because it's one of those things where my personal philosophy, this doesn't work for everybody, but my personal philosophy is challenges and obstacles make you better. 
Like they give you a moment to like stop, look at the tools that you have so far, and then reassess and then try to turn the situation to your own advantage. Yes, and that was perfect. That was a perfect example because I feel like a lot of people, we stray away from from challenges, you know. I think a lot of people try to stray away from negative emotions in general, which yes. I think is dangerous because I, I don't think we're able to avoid negative emotions. So the, I, one of the things I like to tell people sometimes, and I'm not a therapist by any stretch of the imagination, but <laughs> what I will say is negative emotions, this is my personal philosophy once again, negative emotions – and negative experiences are as normal as positive emotions and positive experiences. Mm-hmm. And your negative emotions are just as much a part of you as your positive emotions. So to try to neglect them or avoid them or hide them, I personally, I feel like it will only cause you more damage in the long run than just dealing with them in the first place. However, you also have to give people grace and understand mm-hmm. that not everyone is able to take that ride because some people's emotions are – pretty strong. <laughs> Some people's right. emotions are pretty strong and trying to embrace that head on without the proper tools or without the proper training, it can also end like very detrimental harm to themselves as well. But okay, so let's say for instance, um you're you're dealing with somebody. Now I know you have a wife, you know what I'm saying? But okay, let's shout let's, to her. Shout to her. Right. So let's say like she's not your wife, you know what I'm saying? She's your girlfriend or uh, y'all are just like in the beginning stages of becoming one, right? And let's say she is the type that doesn't really want to deal with the negative emotions, per se. She wants to stray away from the the negative emotions, and you are who you are. You know, how do you work with someone, uh, whether it is um, platonic or romantic, you know, how do you work with somebody who is, not willing to, or not shouldn't say willing to, but is scared to step in the front front line of their negative emotions. I think that you have to give people grace. Like you have to understand that, well, this is how I move. So I give people grace and I try to meet them where they are because I understand that this life is like, some people respond to challenges and the difficulties of life very well. Some people will take knock after knock, defeat after de- after defeat on the face and keep on pushing. Like they may, they'll deal with it their own way, but they'll keep going. But one thing I've learned, I'm 30 years old. One thing that I've learned is this is hard. <laughs> like yeah. the whole life thing is hard. And sometimes it's going to defeat people. Like something being hard does not mean that people are just going to overcome it. No. Sometimes things are hard and people don't overcome it. I'm not trying to say things. I'm not trying to, you know, make this kind of morbid, but like, Whatever uh, that gentleman, Twitch, the dancer, yeah. was dealing with, whatever he was dealing with, it got to a point where no matter how much success he had achieved, he had a family, he had children, he was making money. No matter, that didn't mean anything. That didn't mean anything because his own things that he was dealing with it just took over. Once again, this stuff is hard. So I try to give people grace. Like I try to give people grace to be like, maybe this person doesn't respond to challenges and obstacles the way I respond to them. Maybe their challenges and maybe their demons are stronger than they are. And there's no shame in that. There's no harm in that. So when you encounter someone like that or you have someone like that close in your life, I would say just extend them grace. Understand that they're dealing with their own issues the same way you had to deal with your own issues. And even though I can say all this like – give me one second. Sorry, excuse me. Even though I can say all this like – 
positive stuff about how my obstacles motivate me and I love to suck and all this other stuff, that's, if you had actually in the moment, I would have preferred not to go through those challenges. Yeah. And so I was not at my best in the initial moment when I, those challenges presented themselves. Mm-hmm. So you try to extend grace, even if they're not like you, you have to understand that like everyone's not going to be like you and give them as much grace, give them so much time, talk to them and work it out with them. And also this is kind of key. Understand that you, no matter how much you care about someone or no matter how close you are with someone, if you're not a therapist, and in some cases, even if you are a therapist, you might not be the right person to talk to. Yeah. I know I know a couple of therapists or and psychiatrists that are in relationships, and they don't, like, psychoanalyze or walk through these therapeutic procedures with their partner simply because they're not the right messenger. So, yeah. mm, Ooh, that was Jim right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, you know, <laughs> you know, but yeah. But nah, I definitely agree with you 100%. So do you think that, um, I know you're not in therapy right now, but do you think that you will get to a point where you would want to go back to therapy or are you just kind of like done with it? Oh, now we're, now we're going to get into some like of the unpopular views that I have. So <laughs> I think that therapy is a great tool, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. as with any tool in life, it's one of those things where it has its uses and then it also doesn't have its uses. And it's like a hammer. Uh, if one person is performing construction and they need a hammer, and another person is performing construction and they need a saw, if therapy is the hammer, the person who needs a saw, it's not going to do anything for them. It doesn't mean they have a bad view of therapy. They just mm-hmm. don't need that right now. They may not need that at all. There, Literally, there have been thousands and millions of people who have never had therapy, who have figured it out, worked it out, self-destructive ways or not. they figured out how to be successful and they moved on. So my personal opinion is I'm one of those people that it's useful when I need it, but I think the moments when I need it are very, very few and far in between. There are large, large gaps between when I would need help from like a therapist or a psychiatrist. I would say even the appointment that I had like most recently in the past year wasn't really like a, like a deep, therapeutic session it was just literally me talking the guy listening and then he was like hey have you thought about this in a different way and then he showed me the different way and he was like hey this might work for you or it might not but this is a different perspective and it helped me in two distinct ways one one being able to vent to someone who like had no personal attachment to me had no background information they were just able to like listen all right this is the problem that's presented in front of them and offer solutions and then two even though the alternative way that he gave me or he proposed to me wasn't the route that I took, I added it to my tool bag. So it's mm-hmm. like it's something that it, let's say I, I have no use of it right now. I'm going to have use of, it, use of it later. And without yeah. that appointment, I would have never known that way existed. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to you. So do you think that because – and I, I can only ask you these questions because of – just how strong you are, like, as an individual. You know, you have a very strong personality, and uh, it probably is because um, you serve, you know, thank you for your service. But um, hey man, you know what I'm saying? Whatever I do to make sure the country's safe. <laughs> but do you think that maybe it's because of your strong personality or just who you are that therapy for you is just kind of like a, it's kind of like a back tool, you know what I'm saying, just in case. 
type of thing, like if you need it. Whereas some people, and I and I'm not and I'm and I'm not trying to say that some people are weak to the point where yeah they like they need it. I'm not trying to call anybody weak. I'm not trying to call anybody strong. You know, I'm just saying like as a personality trait. You know, of you basically learning or knowing how to deal with your own emotions in a sense, and being very observant of not just who you are but other people as well. You know, do you think that that's probably another reason why you're just kind of like, uh, I mean, therapy's needed when it's here, you know what I'm saying? But not really. Okay, so here's what I'll say. Um, once again, another unpopular, maybe controversial opinion. I think that there are strong people. I think there are weak people. And weak does not necessarily mean in terms of physically weak or mentally weak, but it's just in terms of comparison. These terms are, like, relative, right? A strong person is only strong to a weak person. A strong person is not strong to a strong person. That type of thing. These terms are relative. So I would say when we're talking about, like, who needs it and who doesn't or who would benefit from it greatly and who would benefit from it, like, almost not at all, I think what we have to keep in mind is the fact that People who are strong, they need help or mentally strong, resilient, whatever you want to call it. They need help as well, just in a different way. And that way might not come from therapy. You see what I'm saying? Mm. And weak people, once again, quotations around weak people, because once again, these terms are relative, but people who do require therapy, people with actual mental disorders, mental illnesses, things like that, like they just need a different tool. Once again, they just need something different or they need a little extra bump. I, I, I would compare it to kids in school who are bad at math or bad at reading. It's like just because uh, you have child A who's getting straight A's in geometry class and you have child B who's getting C's in geometry class doesn't mean one is smarter or one is better. It just means the other kid needs more attention in this particular way. Right. So that's why I look at like therapy where it's just like having a strong dominant personality, it's People become this way. This is kind of like a personal opinion. I could obviously be wrong or I could be right. I don't know. It depends on which universe we're in. But <laughs> I'll say having – the way I became the way I am because of all the trials and tribulations I've gone through in my life. And it's not really like a sad story or, you know, feel bad for me or anything like that. No. People have different struggles in their life. Different things happen. Mm-hmm. How I responded to it was – being fortunate enough to have the mental fortitude and the mental resiliency to bounce back, always bounce back. I have no other option. There's nothing else I can do. I mean, if I, I can't fail here, I just have to keep going. And if I do fail here, there's no fallback plan. I have to keep going forward. It brought incredible <laughs> amounts of stress on me. It brought an, an incredible, like, you know, moments of, I won't say despair, but moments of, like, uh, not to be dramatic, but like hopelessness. And when I say hopelessness, what I'm saying is are, there are moments where I'm just like, man, i got to pay this bill, and I don't have the money. So yeah. there's no hope in me paying this bill, so I need to figure out something else. That type of thing. Where mm-hmm. I just real, Those trials and tribulations made me be resilient. So like 30-year-old like Jared is not 20-year-old Jared. Like 30-year-old Jared can deal with things that 20-year-old Jared wouldn't have been able to, but I had to go through that decade of whatever I went through in order for me to become who I am now. So, like, if my son needed therapy, I'm wide open to it because I'd rather him go and get the extra help that he needs instead of him having to go through the same, like, road that I went through because the thing about strong people that sometimes people forget 
is <laughs> it wears on people to be strong. Yes. It, it, it wears on people to be resilient. Like, it's not, I compare it, when I use this metaphor, I use this metaphor quite often, which is, it's like tread on a tire. It's like the tire, the strongest tire can make the longest trips. It will still eventually wear down. It's just mm-hmm. the nature of how the road goes. And the same thing can be applied to life. Life is a long trip. <laughs> so it's just like, no matter how strong and resilient you are, you may never have any type of crisis or conscience or an emotional breakdown at all in your life. There's still wear. There's still wear on that life. So when I look at people like the lead singer of Linkin Park, Twitch, uh, there was a very uh, popular uh, black female producer in Hollywood a couple of years ago who was beloved, and no one thought that she would ever have committed suicide. She did. Every All her friends, her celebrity friends, referred to her as the strong friend. She yeah. is the one who was giving them advice and telling them how to do things alternate ways and telling them to go see therapists. And then she killed herself. And obviously all these things are all automatically culminate into like, you know, something as like morbid as suicide. But I just one of those facts you have to keep in mind where it says like strong people still have a limit. Everyone has a limit. Yeah. So, yeah. No, for sure. And I was actually, that was actually going to be my next question. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought it up. But um, also like Robin Williams, I think he committed suicide too. Yes. It, it it just it just comes back to show that um yes therapy is definitely another tool for people but like you said if that tool doesn't work then what else you know what i'm saying like what is the other option for people who are strong who are trying to find you know an outlet to kind of help them you know in this lifestyle like what is it that we can do it you might you may not have the answer you know, but just a question. I can like, speculate if you if you would like me to. I could speculate, but obviously, yeah. I don't think anybody has the right answer for this. Yeah, for sure. Because I just want to to know. You know, being a strong individual myself, I, we all have moments where it's just kind of like, right, this is just too much. You know, like I, <laughs> I don't know if I can go go on much longer. You know, like this is a lot. But it's like, what would be what would be our other outlet? You know, what could help I, us? I would say that – I would say a few things. I'll try to keep it, like, concise. I don't want to waste too much of your time. Um, I'll say the first part is I think that sometimes people go to therapy, no matter how long they go, they don't get the – they sometimes are – they experience these very sad or very, like, critical moments where they realize that – this is a very few people, but it happens nevertheless, where the individual therapist is not working – the type of therapy is not working. They're not getting the results that they thought they needed. And then they're kind of left like a little bit lost and a little bit hopeless because they're just like, well, what else can I do? Like I'm doing what people are telling me to do, but it's not working. And that's where, once again, controversial opinion. I think that I'm hesitant to tell someone who's going through something to go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. I will obviously let them know that that avenue is available to them if it is. Right. But I'm hesitant to give people that like that olive branch and say, "Hey, grab onto this, go see ther- go go to a therapist. You're going to be all better." Because that's not that's not how it works for everyone. And mm-hmm. I think when certain people go down that road and it doesn't work for them, they're kind of in the situations that you talked about where they're just very, man, this isn't working. What else can I have to turn to? Mm-hmm. And the second part that I would say is, it 
it requires a very high level. And this is where still, once again, if you're not getting the results you want from therapy, just the practice of talking out with someone and being able to self-analyze is very useful is because you start to understand that, hey, maybe therapy isn't it, but there's other things that I know that can help me through whatever I'm dealing with or just help me function on a day-to-day basis. Me, for instance, there's two main things. One, my family. Like, mm-hmm. I think about the burden of being a father, the burden of being a husband and a provider and all of those things. I respond to it well because mm-hmm. I <laughs> I jokingly call myself, like, a little bit loony, but, like, I the stress makes me better. Like, mm-hmm. iron sharpens iron. This is, this is my philosophy. So iron sharpens iron. So when I'm under these stressful situations, it makes me have to work harder, and in a weird way, that's therapeutic. When something mm-hmm. doesn't work out for me, I'm actually like, do I wish it would have worked out? 100%. If it doesn't, back to the drawing board. There's more work to do. Like, right. But the second thing is, just for me to function on a day-to-day basis, is the gym. Kind of a gym rat. I work out a lot. And I'm not going to get too deep into like what working out does for me, but is very representative of the philosophy that I explained earlier, which is to go into the gym every day and push myself to a point where it's like I'm hitting a wall or I'm challenged or it's hard. It does something to my mind. It scratches some type of itch that I need to scratch. It helps me mm-hmm. settle down and then progress through the day, progress through the week. Because it's like if I'm if I'm putting these own hardships I, if I'm self-imposing these hardships on myself in the gym, then it's like I'm almost preparing myself for any challenges that I'll have in life. It's not right. exactly that simple, but that's kind of what's happening to me, or at least that's what I think has happened. And it's worked <laughs> so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know I just recently, um, you know, started started up the gym. Now I haven't been in a, in a couple of weeks, you know, a few weeks actually. That's but, that lack of discipline. No, 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 no. See, it, it don't even. It's not even really my fault. We're really gonna talk about it. But thing about it is that when I did start, um, when I said did start going to the gym, it did give me some type of like fulfillment. You know, I remember like that first day. It was just, oh my god, I'm sore. I'm not. I don't want to go back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do not want to go back at all. But then I went back, and it was like the soreness was kind of like. It felt starts good. to ease up. Yeah, it feels good, but it also starts to ease up after a while. And you're just like, my body's stronger. Exactly, exactly. So I just think that, you know, having probably that type of outlet um, as well, like, definitely, definitely helps. Um, but honestly, it could be anything. Like, it can be yeah. anything. Like, that's why I mentioned my family first, is that I also, like, I think about, once again, this is kind of loony to think, but I feel like it's also very similar to what a lot of fathers and a lot of men feel in society, which is I put myself on the back burner so that my family is taken care of, so that I can make sure I perform for my family. Because the one thing I've said since my son has been born, and I'll probably adapt this view as I get older, or it's already starting to change a little bit, thanks to my wife, because she's right, she's smarter than me. But, like, it's one of those things where I don't, my son is like, he's a young kid. He doesn't understand the problems that his dad may deal with. But he also doesn't care. Like, at this age, he doesn't care. Like, maybe when he's like 22, 25, he'll be like, man, dad, this is really hard for you, wasn't it? And we can talk about it then. But right now, he needs food, he needs stuff, and I have to provide that stuff. So some of the things that I'm dealing with, 
that has to be like shelved, and I have to make sure I perform for him. The problem with that philosophy, and I feel like a lot of men have that, is that if you're, I'm not trying to be like obnoxious, but if you're someone who's kind of made to like perf- like respond positively to stress, then that's fine. Having that type of view might kind of cost you in the long run, but it does work. But if you're someone where it's like you feel these burdens and you feel this pressure to perform and you're not up to perform and it causes like crushing anxiety and crushing stress, like a lot of men will crumble under that pressure. They yeah. can be doing well and they'll still crumble. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's uh, there's always an outlet for all of this stuff. Like some people have families, some people have go-kart racing. You see some of these people with these weird hobbies like taking pictures of trains or whatever. Like whatever you need to do to get by on like a day-to-day basis – like sometimes therapy might not be it, but I do think that therapy can help you discover. Um, and speaking of therapy not being it, but also being it. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> why do you think it is important for other black men to seek therapy? Uh, I think because a lot of them are not aware of the effects that not only society but their own behaviors or the behaviors mm-hmm. of their peers have on them. Mm-hmm. I think we like to assume that, like, we are individual entities that are moving through this life and we choose what we're affected by or we choose what to be affected by. That's not how it works. Like, your mm-hmm. upbringing does affect you. If you don't come to terms with it, it's going to bother you for a long time. Your, uh, your adulthood, who you surround yourself with, um, your partners, who your partners are, your job, how your job is, like, these things all affect you in various ways. And I think that black men, because, as we talked about earlier, since the DNA of going to therapy or the act of going to therapy is not something that has been traditionally passed down from generation to generation, kind of one of those things where I think a lot of black men don't understand sometimes what they're feeling. And even if they do understand what they're feeling, they don't know what to do with it. So, you know, I think that therapy is one of those things where it's just like, Knowledge of self is, like, so important. And I think it's been kind of, uh, I guess, glossed over in the black community when it comes to men. Black women are on it. They, you guys seem to have already figured out where it's just like, if you guys can't deal with something, it's time for us to go to the therapist. <laughs> it's not the same message for black men. Black men are very, like, uh, I'm fine. I'm fine, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just dealing with some stuff. Oh, I'll, I'll bounce back because it's like, because it's like to not bounce back. And this is, this is not just with black men. This is with men in general. To not bounce back, society does not look kindly upon men who are perceived as weak, mm. or and or don't look kindly upon men who are unable to get work done. And these, all these factors can contribute to men not being successful or men not getting work done. And uh, like, like life, society, like race, culture, none of this stuff is kind to men. It transcends all that. None of this stuff is kind to men who can't get things done. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a younger, more idealistic me would be like, well, we need to change society then. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that, takes, that takes decades. So in the meantime, black men just need to learn how to take care of themselves so that they can understand how society affects them and how they can, like, return the energy in, like, a productive way to society. And period. Period. Yeah, right? It's crazy, right? <laughs> I see you, Jared. I love it. I love it. Um, 
I did have one last question, but I'm trying to figure out if I should even ask it, you know, um, because my last question would have been what advice would you give other black men who are skeptical about seeking therapy? But I feel like you've already answered that, you know, um, in a sense of maybe therapy is just not for you, you know, like go to the gym or you have all these other different outlets, you know, that you can use family, you know, um, if you're spiritual or religious or whatever, you have God, you know, or whomever you, you may call them, you know. So I feel like exactly. I feel like you've already answered that, but do you have any other advice that you could give um, a black male that who who is skeptical about seeking therapy? I would say you have to explore different options if you want to be a better person than who you are or a better man. So where, wherever you are, and this is coming from me, and people listen to this podcast and if they know me, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of wild to hear me say this, but it's like if you're not like the best version of yourself. And technically, that best version will never exist. But you can always be better. Like, if you are, if you're 30 years old, you're in your physical prime, but your mind's messed up, like, you're not your best self. But if you're 50 years old and you finally have had this mental peace, but then your body's messed up because you didn't work out, it's kind of just like, oh, well, you know, you're not your best then. So the best thing to do to explore different options, explore new experiences, and kind of take and understanding and take time to understand how you're responding to this stuff. And, but you have to put yourself in these situations to understand it to begin with. So if you're skeptical about therapy, like go to therapy first and then be skeptical. <laughs> like I am. That's basically My wife pushed me like for in her own way for years to go to therapy. And I was just like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Shoot. And for the most part, I was right. But I say this all the time. Like, I can't criticize something unless I experience it first. Right, right. And I like the way you said that. Like, we're never the best versions of ourselves, you know. And it, it was so cool just to hear you say that, the fact that, you know, we get 50 and, uh, yeah, we're we're good mentally, but physically we're not. You know, yeah. we're the best version of ourselves. I've never really heard anybody say it quite like that. Like, I've, I've always um, – and one to just say, oh no, be the best version of yourself, you know, and not really, not really, I guess, understanding my own, um, my own definition in that is just kind of like, wow, like to hear you say that, it's just like, yeah, like in the moment, in the moment, is this your best self? Yeah, like it's one exactly. That's all you can be is like whoever you are, like today, yeah. try to be the best version of that person because you can't change the past. You can't predict the future. Like, there was this point, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you ever seen this show called Insecure on HBO. What? Come on like, now. Re- relax, relax. <laughs> I, I, I could have assumed that you have, but I had to make sure. But, <laughs> so there's a point where Molly, she's talking to a therapist, or she's talking to someone, she's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to get to the point where I'm happy and everything's, like, fine. It's like, there's a lot of work to be done between here and there. Mm-hmm. And you can't be afraid of the work. Like, everybody who's successful will tell you, except for, like, people who were born into wealth. Everybody who has had to, like, really work to be successful, they'll tell you it's just, like, it's, like, never stops. Like, it never, ever stops. So you have to find your own way to, like, be productive against the grind. Because the grind is not going to stop. Life is a grind. It's not fun. Life is not fun. Like, if I had to rate life, it's zero out of ten across the board. Literally. But 
negative zero, things. I could do that. <laughs> exactly. There are things, though, that they're not zeros, like having a happy, like, partner, having a happy family, having new experiences, having good relationships, having good morals, having good ethics. Those things make the grind a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Jared, for an amazing episode. Like I said, you brought up some great points, and I hope that everyone else that are that is listening um, gets some type of idea of where you were going with it and finds their own opinion. You know, I'm all open for the discussion, but yes, I definitely believe and going to therapy, seeking therapy, um, getting the help and guidance that you need, but also understanding yourself and what works best for you. Therapy may not be the solution, um, but at the end of the day, I want what's best for you, and I want you to understand what is best for yourself as well. Um, But yeah, thank you again, Jared, and this was an amazing episode. And again, if you have not, please tune in to Residual Impact Podcast for an exclusive on myself, my story, and some of the opinions that I share with them as well. Um, But yeah, I hope y'all continue exceeding while black. Peace and love, y'all. I'm out.